because apostolic dimension. That's what we'll be talking about. So, guys, in sending forth his son, in sending forth his son, God has released, in sending forth his son, God has released what is, I mean, you can use any words, I'm just using these words. In sending forth his son, God the Father released what is called a sending dimension. of heaven on earth. When did he release this? In a sense it was released even before the earth was formed because it was said of Christ that he was slain before the foundations of the earth. If that is the case, then God has always been ascending God. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, with the sending of Christ, one of the things God wanted the church to be is hey, can I have an apostolic church? And we'll define apostolic in a second. But the reason we need to talk about the apostolic dimension that we must walk in, it is because the moment the Father sent the Son and He sent the Holy Spirit, God released from heaven a sending dimension that was supposed to be part of our essential lives continuously. And when Jesus came, He kept doing the same thing. He sent the disciples, the apostles. He sent the 72. He sent the Holy Spirit. So I know the words apostolic and dimension sound heavy, but basically we are talking about ascending dimension of the church that we must embrace, absorb, see as essential to our being. Because if we don't, then we will miss out on something critical, both from the perspective of God and from the perspective of the church, and therefore affect the way the earth functions. Uh, How best to say this? If you are um, someone who works for Tesla, there'll be things specific to Tesla that you will have to absolutely embrace and be passionate about. If you are someone who uh, is into electric cars and that is your desire, produce electric cars, stop fossil fuels being used, then it'll have to be so internal that you cannot let it go. You let it go and everything else collapses. What churches don't realize and some Christians hardly think about is that the sending dimension of God is critical to him. If he wasn't a sending God, we probably would not be saved. That is why we're talking about this. And when Jesus came, he knew he was sent from the Father, so he pioneered a lifestyle that would make it impossible for his followers to escape being sent. One of the things Jesus does is he makes sure that he does what he asks us to do. So when he came on the earth, he pioneered a lifestyle that would make it impossible for anyone who's following him not 
to be sent. We have to think of ourselves as a sent people. Not a sent missionary, not a sent evangelist, not a sent Derek, not a sent Mohini, but a sent church. It is, it is the essence of who we are. It doesn't matter whether you have a pair of twins and an older boy or one Phoebe or one Yaya or whether you're single or married, doesn't matter. This, is, this should be something that is at your core. You share something with Christ because Christ now lives in you and if you and I don't think like this, it becomes very difficult. The church was always supposed to be apostolic. It was not supposed to be anything else. And apostolic doesn't mean a bunch of apostles in the church. How do, we de- uh, um, how do we define apostolic? So let's define that. Apostolic is a specific sending, a specific sending by the sender, which in this case is obviously God, by the sender, with a clear mandate, to the sent one. And the sent one in this case is, my God, that other church is competing (laughs) from below. A specific sending by the sender with a clear mandate to the sent one, which in this case is the church. So every church is supposed to be apostolic. This is what apostolic means, a specific sending by the sender with a clear mandate to the sent one. And God does this in a generic form in Matthew 28, 18. And then he does it in a specific form for each church. And then he does it even more specifically for individuals in the church. And if this is not how you think, then it becomes very difficult for you to operate like this. And it becomes very difficult for uh, me to help you operate like this. And it makes it very difficult for you to continue in the church. Any questions? The more I think about things like Good Friday and all, no? And what Christ, the cost Christ paid, you think to yourself, how can you compromise anything that Christ wants for the church? One. Two, what cost is too high to pay for that sake? And three, does popular opinion matter? The answer to all those three questions is, I don't know whether it's yes or no, but it's, you get better, have to get it right. Yeah. Any questions? So, the apostolic best stewards, the mission of the church, the movement of the spirit, and men and women of the spirit are best stewarded in an apostolic setting. Why? Because an apostolic setting takes into account a specific sending by the sender with a clear mandate to the sent one. Therefore, in this, you have the mission of the mission of God, the movement of the Spirit, and the man or the woman of God taken care of.
And this is what most churches will avoid. And how do you avoid this? You avoid it by having a mission committee, having specific missionaries and evangelists, and having a mission Sunday. That's how you avoid it. A mission Sunday, a mission committee, and a few missionaries is how you avoid it. When the entire church is called to be apostolic. And if this doesn't percolate down to our inner being, it becomes very difficult. It must shake our insides. Remove all historical and religious junk. Make us think that this is how we must be. And God knows your situation. God knows your resources. God knows your um, 8 billion failures, which he can make disappear. God knows everything about your life. How much uh, you need to be at home. How you need to take care of your parents or your children. He knows all that. So he's not going to... I may ask something ridiculous of you, but not God. The problem with an apostolic church is you cannot deviate or amend the specifics or the mandate. You cannot deviate or amend the specifics. You can't change them. You can't change them. There's nothing you can do. Once, once a specific uh, mandate is given or a plan is given or a blueprint is given or a direction is given, it is not... It is not yours to amend. It is not yours to uh, mediate or uh, moderate. It is not yours to uh, deviate from. In our case at present, it is ignite a revival in the 40s and under. It is to build a Davidic heritage at home. And it is to ignite a revival across the globe, especially in the 40s and under. That is our specific mandate right now. The generic mandate has always been disciple nations one life at a time. Disciple nations one life at a time. And praise God, by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by willing people, we've stuck with that for 17 years. Stuck with that, never deviated from it. I was... Speaking to a pastor who will come here in May or June about what this church is doing, uh, and I told him that he would be coming here not to meet me, but to meet uh, you. And he says, Jacob, I've read enough books, and I have talked to people, but nobody has ever said to me, come and see. Come and see, come and see. And so he's looking forward to that. There's some three or four coming from Toronto and uh, two or three coming from New York. And these are guys who are far more learned than us. Huh? They want to see. And what will they see? I don't know. But it seems to be working. So you can't deviate or amend the specifics of this. The next thing is this sending requires, on one hand, 
an intimate relationship with the sender, intimate relationship with the sender. On the other hand, a subservient, a subservient relationship with the sender. It's both, it's not one or the other. And both can exist only with God because he at once becomes father and master. The whole son-servant motif. If this must work, then you must have an intimate relationship with the sender, an intimate relationship. The greater the intimacy, the greater um, the willingness to go out and not think of it as a cost or a sacrifice. The more intimate and the more you love somebody, the less it's a cost. You never count the cost when you like someone. You count the cost only when you don't like someone. And a subservient relationship, as in I am only a servant. This is the least I can do. I'm an unprofitable servant is the attitude that you come with. And both have to exist. But let's take this a step further. This then also means that it is the same relationship I must have with you. Where on one hand, I must have an intimate relationship with you. On the other hand, I must have a subservient relationship with you. Because here on earth, the church is the sender. On his behalf. This now makes it even more difficult. I must have both an intimate relationship with you and a subservient relationship with you. Because if I don't, I can have it with an invis invisible God but becomes difficult with the visible people. This is part of our sentence. These are difficult speed bumps that we have to cross. Any questions on that one? Praise God, man. I mean, I know I joke about this Sunday school thing. But it's great when there's a small generation, small as in small generation, or like my nieces, a shorter generation who drinks water um, downstairs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's good to hear that happening downstairs. Yeah. Here's another very cool statement. The apostolic represents God to men. not meant to God. This is a shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, priests would mediate for men before God. And unfortunately, it has seeped into the church where we are always representing men to God. One of the, one of the things about the apostolic is because it is the sender sending the sent one with a specific mandate. The apostolic represents God to man. This is who God wants us to be to you. That comes first, not second. When this shifts, you get a completely different paradigm. What is the intent? Go to Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Romans 1 5. Romans 
It says, Paul is talking that I received through, uh, he talks about Christ as the risen one, Jesus Christ the Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. If you notice, he's not saying I, he's saying we. He's either including him and others or he's including the church. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring what? To bring about obedience. To bring about obedience. What does obedience look like? Calling men and women to submission. What does submission look like? It begins with conversion and ends with maturity of Christ, being conformed to the maturity of Christ. I know this is a little heavy, but if we slowly understand it, it'll really help set this church uh, again on a straight and narrow for years to come. eh? We won't deviate from this because at this present time, these are the things this church must learn and must be taught and it must go deep because at this present time, um, it, there will be attempts to shake this. We must have this deeply embedded. Guys, um, it's like this. So when a church begins, you're supposed to set foundations deep. And those foundations then become unshakable. And then you can build for a stretch on the foundations that were built. But as more and more are added, both in terms of nations and people, you have to once again go examine the foundations and go even deeper in the things that are necessary. You've got to go a level further because now as more and more will come, the foundations have to grow deeper. That is why I'm saying we need to examine this again because there are people that weren't there when this was happening that now need to be reintroduced to certain constructs. That is why we're trying to get this right. Otherwise, if you try to keep building higher, Without building deeper, this will break. And it'll be a shame because you put in too much work. You put in too much work. So Romans 1.5, our intent is, can we, bring, can we bring about obedience? And what does obedience look like? Calling and men and women to submission. Submission to what? Submission to the faith. How does that work? It has to begin with conversion, but it ends with being as mature as Christ. And when, a post, when an apostolic church forgets that, it loses the plot. As I look at you, I should have no other intent as one who leads an apostolic church than to bring you into the maturity of Christ. Anything less would be a disservice to the king and would be a betrayal of his intents to you. And you must think the same way. Because you don't have to be me to do this. You can have a person who you are helping and it has to be the same. 
I was talking to Tuni and Anil and they were asking me some questions about how to go about stuff and how, how to do this and how to do that. And one of my things was, uh, this is what I said to Tuni, Tuni, when you begin to love people as much as you love Anil, you will become defensive, pro protective, you will, do, you will scale any mountain, get anything, because you want your bride to prosper. And that is a question I must ask and you must ask yourself. Do you love the church as much as you love Lorian, as much as you love Anile, as much as you love Rennie? Is that how you love the church, as much as you love Sophia? As much as you love Danny? If you love the church that much, what will you not do? What will you not do? As much as you love Hamari, that is how we need to think. And if I don't think like that, there will always be room for other things to enter and for a mixture. My advantage is my marriage is perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, all the advice I give is not out of experience. It comes straight from the Bible. My relationship advice is not tainted by experience. <laughs> so, as you love um, Karen, when you start walking in this in this, when you start walking in the above, as in, when you start walking in this apostolic dimension and not consider your importancy. Because uh, uh, we often consider importancy, but my life is not perfect, but I have sins in my life, but I have failed before, I messed up before, things are happening in my life, I'm under this attack or that attack. And those are importancies that we have. But God is not waiting to take away all my importancies before I can function. He has me function as, I, as these importancies fall off, so I'm functioning. We must be careful not to use our importancies as an excuse. Importancies will always be there. And in the area of your importancy, maybe you should not be used. But there are other areas where you're potent. So when you start walking in the above, not considering your importancy, a strange thing happens. Apostolic grace and anointing fall on you. What is apostolic grace? The all of God given to you to accomplish the specific mandate that he is sending you for. Grace is not a cookie where you break a little and eat it. Grace is all of God. Jesus said, uh, of Jesus it was said in John chapter 1 that he was full of grace and truth, truth and grace. Grace is Jesus saying, I am giving all of myself ungrudgingly, joyfully, whether you deserve it or not, I am giving you all of myself. And in this case, Apostolic grace and anointing is all of God given to you to accomplish the specific mandate that he is sending you for. The confidence this gives me sometimes when I'm scared is so refreshing. So refreshing because you are scared to go into it. You know you're inadequate and then there's this grace that comes in and it helps you function. 
Oh, by the way, many of you who are functioning well are also functioning because of this grace. Because I know some of your lives and what you're going through. And then when I see you and hear you do things, I think to myself, wow, where did all those weaknesses go? Grace covers weakness. What happens is the church becomes a full representation. The church now, when the church begins to walk in apostolic dimension, the church is now able to fully represent Christ. How? Two ways. One, you'll find the functions of apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastor functioning in the church. And two, you will find saints becoming sent ones and the moment they start thinking along the lines of I'm a sent one, here's what happens. Demons get driven out. Healings happen. Lepers get cleansed. The gospel is preached. And the dead are raised. It's strange how this function here happens only when we are sent. It doesn't happen when a church sits and prays for its own. God will heal regardless, but the sentness of a church unleashes signs, miracles, and wonders. It's in the, that was why the Holy Spirit was put on those uh, apostles, in the, um, this, this, first the 12 and then the 72. As they went, they came back with great joy saying, we saw demons being driven out. We saw the sick being healed. And Jesus had sent the 72 out, or the 70 out, or the 12 out. He had sent them. He was so into sending. In John 21, as I have sent you, as I was sent, so I send you. And he breathes upon them. And as they receive the Holy Spirit, things begin to happen. Acts chapter 1.8. I am now asking you to wait. And when you wait, the Holy Spirit will come upon you so that you can be witnesses to me from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's a sending out. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. And the Holy Spirit said to the ones gathered in Antioch, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas to be sent for the work that I have for them. It is essential in the nature of God and therefore it's essential in the nature of this church for sure. Please imbibe this. Please get drunk in it. Please marinate yourself in it. If you don't, as the days go forward, one, of, one or two or three things will happen. One, you will not be able to participate in the w- movements of God in this church. Two, you will begin to resist the movements of God in this church. Don't. Let's imbibe this. Embrace it. It's not change. God is not changing. This is an unchanging quality of His. God is not starting something new. Abraham was sent. Jacob was sent. Joseph was sent. Sometimes you are sent to produce a new generation. Sometimes you are sent to save generations. Joseph was sent to save people because there was a famine coming. Abraham was sent to start a people so that the earth would be blessed. Jonah was sent to save a city. But when sentence is not part of you, then Jonah becomes a reluctant prophet and then resistance comes in. Unfortunately, in a church like this, when resistance comes in, God does not abandon you because he loves, like she read, this is a garden that God loves. He sits there. Here, if you resist, um, 
you will not be abandoned. You will be left in the belly of a whale for a little while. Jacob, are you being nasty? Are you being sarcastic? No, I'm being honest. And I'm being honest from God and before God. I'm telling you. Any questions? So it isn't surprising to me that there are apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors here. We don't give much attention to the title, but it's not surprising that you are here, that you function in these dimensions. Sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, you function in it. That's great. Who wants a title? Yesterday, Prashant and I were sitting with somebody, and uh, um, Prashant almost burst out laughing because the person said that uh, um, he's in the protocol department and he had to go through workers' training. And, and I'm thinking to myself, so what is that? Protocol department and workers' training. And I found out that protocol department is being ushers and stuff like that because there's a protocol to follow. But you have to go through workers' training. And I'm thinking to myself, we haven't done any of this. So from now on, we'll have workers' training. And uh, this is a serious conversation. Okay. The sending dimension that we are talking about, the sending or apostolic dimension that we are talking, talking about, is government, is governmental, is governmental is governmental, meaning it dispossesses to possess. It restores culture. It reinforces looking like the king. And it establishes beachheads for advancement. This is important, guys. Guys, this is both important and practical. It is not theory. The sending of the apostolic, uh, the sending of the apostolic dimension that we are talking about, that you must have, that Christ has, that the Spirit of God has, that this church has, and that you as an individual must have, is governmental. As in, um, um, it, it, it carries in it this idea that to repossess something, you first have to send out squatters that presently have it under them. You must dispossess to repossess. This was common in Israel's history as they wandered through the desert. They would go into a nation, they would dispossess previous inhabitants so that it, they could repossess the land that was given to them. So there is a ministry of warfare here. And so you must ask yourself this question, do I know anything about this? And if I don't know anything about this, how will I line up and participate? 
And then once you feel that, and you feel the need for it, then something will happen. Unless there's, uh, you, you, you can lead a horse to the water, you can add salt in the oats, but you cannot make the horse drink. That is something the horse has to do itself. And the question must be asked, do, 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 is this important to me? And if it is not important, then how am I going to take land, people, lives? Because everything is going to be contested. Land and life will be contested. Second one, restore culture. One of the things that Nebuchadnezzar and other kings used to do is they would take over Israel's land and then he would go and take the best of Israel, teach them the Babylonian ways, and then send them back into the land so that the land could become Babylonian. He would change their names. He would change their education. He would change their food. He would change everything, which is why Daniel and the three boys took a stance. There were about 20,000 that were taken captive. Only three stood. The rest of them were converted into the culture of Babylon. And so, it's a, it's a play from the um, biblical playbook that was taken and used by Nebuchadnezzar. One of the things God wanted to do when he said, go forth, multiply, subdue. What was he trying to say? You are made in my image. Now I want you to go forth and multiply and wherever I tell you to go, go and establish or literally colonize and teach them my ways. There was one king in the Bible, it was a very strange thing that happened. He took Israel out and when he took Israel out, lions started coming and devouring his people. And so he goes back and he says to his counselors, send some of those Israelites back because the God of that land is angry and send these Israelites back so that they can teach the people their culture. And when he does that, the lions stop. So, restore culture. Restore culture. And this is super important. It doesn't, one of the things I've found is, it doesn't matter whether you're Indian, whether you're German, whether you're Brazilian, or whether you're Canadian. We all have common sinful cultures. We all think commonly sinful ways. It's not specific to any particular clan or country. And so, restore culture. Part of government's job is to restore culture. Third one is reinforce looking like the king. Reinforce looking like the king. This is the only, <laughs> this is the only kingdom where the king's desire is everybody should become like the king. No other king wants this. Every other king wants, you can serve me, you can eat from my plate, but you cannot become like me because the moment you become like me, I'm under threat. This king says, you must become like me. This king says, you are my co-heir. This king says, whatever is mine is yours. This king says, you sit on my throne with me. This king wants you to become like him. And if you don't want to become like him because he is Jesus and you are you, we got a problem. So when I sit here and I'm seeing the worship that's happening, I can think of the guy I was angry with on the way here because he was taking forever to take a turn and didn't stop at a four-way stop sign. No, it wasn't Mike. <laughs> Karen's looking at Mike. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, it was this, in small things and in big things, become Christ-like Jacob. 
And do not cut corners on that one. Because we are all supposed to look like the king. He who is not found faithful in small things will not be found faithful in big things. And the last one is establish beachheads for advancement. Establish beachheads for advancement. Governmental, um, a church that is governmental will always see new territory as, no, this is not where we're going to settle. This is just another place for advancement into further places. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. No, not 4, verse 4 and 5. The last two verses of 2 Corinthians 10. And therefore, our sphere of influence is going to grow through you going to places. Every place is a beachhead. Wally is a beachhead. Bahrain is a beachhead. New York is a beachhead. Establish further. Establish further. Till when? Till Christ returns. Why? So that all the kingdoms of God become the kingdom of our Christ. All the kingdoms of the world become kingdoms of our Christ and King. We won't finish and I... Um, yeah. We are here and we have to go till here. Not possible. Not possible. Even Derek couldn't do this. Yeah. yeah. So... This is true. Yeah. yeah. So, any questions? The sentence is so obvious in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. The go of Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Therefore, go means that the church has no choice but to think of itself as sent. Therefore, go means the church does not have any choice but to think of itself as sent. And the moment the church begins to think of itself as sent, then apostolic authority comes. What is the apostolic authority? The authority that comes from God upon a church that is willing to be sent. Otherwise, we never will be able to function in that authority. It has been given, but you don't get to experience it. So the, the, the apostolic authority that comes with the Great Commission where it says, therefore go, is something that is only experienced if a church begins to believe that it is sent. And that authority was purchased at great cost. Huh? It was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Where it says in Ephesians 2 that Satan had sway over the sons of disobedience. We were part of that. That Satan had all power and authority. Always remember, and I've said this before, Satan's power has not decreased, but his authority has been stripped. Satan has not lessened in power. When people say, oh, Satan has no power, do not believe them. It is not true. He rages even more now than he used to before. But what has been taken away is his authority. You can be a policeman in Philippines, and you had power there, and you have the same muscles when you come to Canada. But guess what? If you stand in the center of the road and try to stop my uh, SUV, you may find yourself in the center of the road, but horizontal. <laughs> Why? Because the power might still be there, but there is no authority. So it's required that I understand that a high cost was paid to give me authority. And when a church does not take up that authority by not believing in its sentence. It just lies fallow.
But that isn't the kind of church we are. That isn't what Ari was reading out. The devil fears and hates the apostolic dimension. The devil fears. And because he fears, he hates the apostolic dimension. Hates that the church would even talk about apostles, talk about the apostolic, talk about these things. Nah, hates it, fears it. Because when a church begins to function like this, it has the power to restrain, it has the power to release. He wants this to die in the church. Huh? This stuff, he wants it to die. How does he usually kill it? He kills it through pride, where sometimes churches can get so full of themselves in terms of the apostolic that pride enters, and pride is always the beginning of a fall. Uzziah was a king who was so apostolic in nature. You should read Second Chronicles. Talks about this king who began to invent uh, weaponry, who began to farm, who began to uh, build wep- um, shields, who began to change the condition of his people. Everything you read about Uzziah was so apostolic. And then at some point, pride enters. And when pride enters, he goes and starts offering sacrifices where he was not supposed to, and he turns into a leper. That's how he dies. So one of the ways that the Apostolic dimension is affected by the enemies through pride, through money. Where the lack of it or the surplus of it begins to destroy a church and destroy leaders in the church. Through tradition, where traditional ways prevent us from stepping into this part of what the church is. Through cessation. Cessation is when uh, very well-known pastors and preachers begin to say that the gifts don't exist. The offices don't exist. This was during the New Testament time. It no longer exists. It's taking on great strength. Huh? I'm surprised at the number of people that have begun to follow John MacArthur. Where a guy who has brought out Bibles and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, MacArthur is a cessationist, and there are really good pastors that are beginning to follow him, pastors that have a voice. And as his voice grows, more and more will believe that gifts of the Spirit were things in the New Testament and that these different equipping offices no longer exist. And I'm calling out names because these names are well known and people listen to them. Some of us may be listening to them. Through cessation, through the false apostolic where there are people who weren't called to this role and um, Churches that aren't operating in it, so you get a false picture of what it is. And then, of course, there are, there's the powers that attack the apostolic uh, church, and they're usually three. Leviathan, which is king over the children of pride. Jezebel, which tries to silence the voice of the apostolic and the prof- prophetic. And Absalom, which rebels against the apostolic. But um, we won't get there today. Guys, here's another thing about this church. This church cannot be just 
shepherds. That's what most churches are. Most churches like shepherding. Most churches like pastoring. Most churches like being shepherds. Take care of the sheep. It is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. But an apostolic church has something else that comes into the mix. We are called to be shepherd kings. Shepherd kings. You have to have your staff that at times is taken to shatter nations and evil as one would shatter pottery. And other times you have to use your staff as a shepherd's staff. It is both. Revelation 2 puts it brilliantly. Revelation 2.20 from the message. I have called you to be a shepherd king. I'm giving you this staff as a gift so that just as my father gave me this gift, I'm giving it to you. Who is he saying it to? He's saying it to a church. So use this iron staff at times like a staff that will shatter things into pottery. Other times, be a shepherd king. A shepherd king has the ability to take care and to rule. Let me assure you this church was meant for it. Let me assure you this church is doing it. And when I say this church, I really don't mean me. I mean us. We are doing it and nothing will take it away. Nothing will take it away. You can come against this, but my God, because God is gracious to us, I will spot it, we will spot it a mile away and stop it. Too much sweat and blood has gone into this from you. Cannot be undone. Any questions? If I'm being too cryptic, ask. I'll be straight. Pawan sent me a question, uh, which I'll deal with at the end. One of the things that the apostolic does is the apostolic finishes the will of God here on earth. Apostolic finishes the will of God, the will of God here on earth. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the will of God here on earth can be accomplished without fighting? Do you think it can be accomplished without any resistance? Didn't Jesus face it? Didn't the New Testament church face it? Why do we have the Holy Spirit to teach us how to overcome this? Be it Bar Jesus or be it Simon Magus or be it Sergius Paulus who was being protected, be it the powers of Artemis, doesn't matter. An apostolic church is so fortunate. So fortunate. You get to participate in Christ the King, Christ the Warrior, Christ the Shepherd. Let's wrap up. Because this, is, this isn't light stuff, so we'll have to wrap up. Oh, there's so much good stuff. But we've only made progress to three lines. Now we are here. We were here. Derek, you want to take over? (laughs) What to end with? Okay, let's end with this. The ascending dimension... is a work of the Spirit. You cannot 
work with the Spirit and not be sent. Cannot. It's not possible. Unless we think uh, Holy Spirit meetings are just falling. That we can do. That you just have to line up in a building and when someone comes and prays over you, fall. It's taken care of. Did I tell you about this guy who was three times my size who was being prayed for? I'm sorry, this is on Derek's time. So, this really big guy uh, being prayed for three times my size. And uh, so, this pastor comes and prays for him. <laughs> and he says, fire! In Australian, uh, or Australian English. And the guy doesn't fall, he's still standing straight. So he goes up two, three times and comes back again and does fire! And he doesn't fall. He does it a third time. And now this guy, he, a friend of mine, he decides, too much fire, I better fall. And so... So, so the fourth the fourth time when the guy comes to shout fire um, he decides to fall only uh, there's this really thin looking guy standing behind as a catcher and three times the guy hadn't fallen so the catcher wasn't ready so he's standing there looking at things and the fourth time the guy says fire the guy falls and the next scene is you got this guy lying there and two spindly hands behind him. <laughs> it was so funny, man. You have no idea. Oh, and then, we know who, guess who needed healing after that? <laughs> Not the guy who fell. The guy who was trying to catch him. Anyways, the send, I don't know why we talked about that. The, the sending dimension is a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. We see it in John 21, Acts 180, Acts 13. It's also the work that God does through equippers, through ones who are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. And the Bible talks about it, Ephesians 4.12. And he appointed some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. So it's done through the work of equippers. And then finally, it's done through being receptive to the to apostolic input. Apostolic input. As in, you being receptive to this can change you. You being receptive to this can change you. You just being receptive to this can change you. What if what I'm saying is true? I believe it is, but what if I really believe, what if you also start believing this is true? You think receiving this input will not affect you. It, uh, my biggest struggle with messages like this is I've got to go think so that it becomes part of my thinking too. It is not enough to produce a message. Ask Hannah, I wasn't talking to her since last night. Because it has to go in here, huh? When you do, last uh, point is this, when you don't take advantage, when you don't take advantage, and this applies to everybody in this church, when you don't take advantage of apostolic grace, you become a casualty of that grace. Very interesting point. Let's assume the grace, as in Christ the Apostle, giving himself completely to this church, saying, hey guys, you have learned well. 
I have called you to myself and made you my own. And now I will be sending you because this is my very nature. Right from the beginning, I've been a sender. Thank you for catching on. My grace is here to make this a church that is continuously sent to establish those beaches, to repossess, to bring people into maturity. My grace is here. When this grace is not taken advantage of, I can decide not to take advantage of it because I know enough. If I do that, or if you do that, you become a casualty of the grace. What do you mean a casualty of the grace? It's the same thing that happened to the ten lepers. There was grace to heal. What happened? All ten got healed. But they became casualties of the grace of healing there because only one found the healer. When this grace is present in a church, someone will come and wash your feet. Someone will come and give you food. Someone will come and brush down your donkey. You will live happy because the grace is here. But you will not participate in the grace that Christ has as a sender and as a sent one. That is what I mean by being a casualty of the grace that is present. It is being healed and not knowing the healer. It is being part of an army that enjoys the spoils of war without fighting. It is being a settler. That's a problem in a church like this, eh? We become casualties of grace. Because God won't remove that grace. We are part of one body, right? Therefore, you will receive the benefits. But you don't get to walk the paths of the one who is giving you the benefits. Let's end there. Any questions, guys? So come into apostolic grace. Huh? Come into this grace. Come into this dimension. Don't hold back. Come into it. And what happens when you settle? Always remember this, guys. What happens when you settle? When you settle now, five years down the line, ten years down the line, you will persecute the pioneers that come after you. Guaranteed. If I settle now, I will persecute the Phoebes and the Aries and the Hannahs that come after me. I will persecute them. Because I've decided grace that is in this church is good enough. I do not want anything else. Soon, settlers persecute pioneers. It's only a matter of time. Um, next time we'll talk about so much more. Man, I'm thinking about, I was telling Jane uh, after worship that today felt like Good Friday. So maybe Good Friday will feel like Easter. So, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure she had a whole lot of Hosanna songs that she didn't sing today. Uh, but it was where we went. Um, yeah, we're done. There was something I was supposed to do. Oh yeah, Pawan's question. Pawan's question. Had a question. Was what the European church was trying to establish when they came to North America. Uh, Pawan, where are you? Okay, now you can say it straight. Now that. What's the question? Yeah, yeah, it's a hard word. Yeah. No, they were not. No. 
very, when Christianity comes in as an institution, it can be domineering, it can be exploitative, it is um, religion that is being forced, uh, and uh, often with what happened with any such um, export of Christianity, was, uh, it was in kingdom culture that was prominent. It was whatever culture I represented that became prominent, and you would be Christianized. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be raised into the maturity of Christ, you would be Christianized. And uh, it's happened in so many countries, man. Yeah. Um, so let's just pray. Boy, not bad, Jacob. You have tremendous restraint. Yeah. Father, could you give us two or three minutes of alertness? before we end, because endings are always time to go, but not this time around, Father. We sang that song, There is a Great Redeemer, There is a Redeemer. It says, thank you, O my Father, for giving us your son. You did give us a son, but you actually sent him. You sent him. You sent him. What did you send him for? You sent him to show what you are like? You sent him to die? You sent him to establish his body here on earth? You sent him to restore the earth. Please, Jesus, give us just two minutes of thought along these lines. You sent him to show us how you are. You sent him to die. You sent him to build a body on the earth. And you sent him to restore the earth. So now, we want to do the same. We want to be sent, we want to remember that we are sent to show the Father. I want to remember that I am sent to die. I want to remember that I am sent to raise the body of Christ here on earth. And I want to remember that I'm sent here to restore the earth to Genesis chapter 1. One last time, Father, we'll now say we instead of I. We know that we have been sent to show the Father to the girl in Wally, to very, very wealthy people in 
not man, doesn't matter. We are sent to die, as in pour ourselves out. We are sent to raise a body here on earth. And we are sent to do everything you did, Jesus, while you walked the earth, so that the earth can be restored to Genesis or to Revelations 22. To this, 